Same thing over. Just copy and paste. Every week, every episode, do the same thing over. Yeah. Who needs AI to replace us? Yeah. We can do that ourselves. I could put a robot effect I on I mean, me. there's no intelligence here anyway, so <laughs> artificial or not. <laughs> hey, I wonder if I could find like a, like a female-sounding robot voice to just do the intro for us. You certainly could. Yeah. If you had Alexa or Siri or... Yeah, don't say that too loud. People uh, listening will end up getting set off listeners Siri play fuck the police <laughs> <laughs> listeners you're listening to another exciting episode of chewing the scenery horror movie podcast this is a podcast made by real humans where we three get together and talk about a horror movie which we will spoil but first we'll talk about recently watched movies which we will try to not spoil uh we thank the moon rays for giving us Intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on Amazon or Apple Music where you can buy it digitally or say hello to them on Facebook where they are the moon dash rays. And we are not professional critics. We are your hosts. Live human hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolien. Greetings, humans. And Will. Alexa, order dog food. (laughs) Alexa, order pizza. With dog food on it. With dog food on it. (laughs) Okay, recently watched. Who wants to start it? I started last time. Someone else start. All right. Uh, I watched a lot of things. Ray. All of them, I think, were on uh, Tubi. (laughs) And they were just picked by Tubi? I should not have any other streaming services. I am paying money for things I do not watch because Tubi... The free has one. learned what I want to watch so well, <laughs> and it has such a deep library of absolute crap films. <laughs> I will never run out. Friend, okay. mother, secret lover. Exactly. Friend, mother, secret lover. It is. If the movie's made before 1990, and it seems at all stupid, I'm going to watch it. You're letting AI run your life is what you're doing. Why not? Yeah. What, how was how how well was I doing running my life? <laughs> Let AI take a crack at it for a while. <laughs> Can't do any worse. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I thought today, you know, you should live, you know, the old saying, you should live every day like it's the last day of your life. I thought that this morning waking up and I promptly took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Some movies. I watched something charming called truck stop women which if you're a seinfeld fan it had uncle leo in it okay how Uh, does the truck stop women it is uh, (laughs) well um usually it's it politely asks them to stop uh second time it's a little firmer i won't spoil what the third warning is okay uh this is a movie about the mob versus some truck stop 
owned by women in New Mexico. Huh. Um, I'm not sure even after watching who is aligned with who because it felt like every 10 minutes somebody would switch sides or be a, you know, uh, a, a spy or a mole or something. Yeah. It's not good. Don't watch it. Or maybe watch it. I don't care. Um, any names? No. No, no one? Okay. Other than Len Lester from okay. Seinfeld. And, you know. Nothing else. I'm sure he was another thing. So that's where I know him from. I watched something called Forbidden World. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think this was a Corman film. Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything about it. I'd seen it before, but still don't remember anything about it. Didn't we talk about this on the show? Not as one of our picks, but... Probably. Uh, Let me look this up real quick. Or maybe that was Forbidden Planet. Easy to get them confused. Oh, (laughs) sure. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. We may have. Um, nope. Roger Corman. I don't. I don't remember much about it. <laughs> then there was a whole slew of these that were. Uh, uh, you know, we talk about Italian filmmakers making Jaws, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all the time, in the after 1975 till about 85, probably. Um, I found a new. Uh, subgenre called Aliens Ripoff. Oh, yes. Mm. Man, um, I don't remember which is which, but I feel like Mutant Hunt, Inseminoid, and Shocking Dark were all the same Aliens movie to one degree or another. Uh, I don't remember which one, but one of them switches it up, has a little bit of just alien in it, so branch now Corman did a fair few of those as well exactly yeah I think some of those may be his um I watched something great called uh the evils of night of the night mm. from 1980 1997 <laughs> uh this stars uh Julie Newmar Tina Louise and John Carradine is this another one with eye lasers? It's like a... Yeah, I think so. It's yeah. a slat... Oh, an Aldo Ray. Right, right, yeah. That's why I Definitely watched it, because it came up. It was his uh, his name, and we had talked about him, and it was the first movie that came up under his name. Um, yeah, basically, it's Plan 9, aliens planned to abduct mm-hmm. people, mixed with a slasher. There's a hospital. Yeah, there's a hospital which is run by the aliens, which it's only John Carradine, Tina Louise, uh, Julie Newmar, and uh, two other unnamed nurses, candy stripers for aliens. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is just, it's Plan 9 with slashers. The aliens come down and hire two gas station employees that like killing people and. But they don't want the people killed. The aliens want the people kept alive for experiments. But Aldo Ray and his friend keep killing everybody. It doesn't seem to be working. It it was something else, yeah. I I think 1981 is when that came out. Um, The next one's Disconnected. It was so good, I don't remember anything. Actually, I remember it being kind of good. It was like a... A slasher, but the slashers killed halfway through, and then there was a big section of it was just the 
the la- the final girl dealing with the aftermath of of this slaughter that she's gone through. I've not seen that one. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was too bad. I wish I could give a more detailed description. It was a little bit like uh, when a stranger calls. Okay. You know, and then, yeah, um, you don't know who the killer is. Obviously, it's the, the new boyfriend who's a little creepy. Mm-hmm. If I didn't spoil it there. No, because that's a red herring. It's not really him. No, it was Aldo Ray. <laughs> that's right. Uh, then I watched a couple comedies in quotes. Uh, one called If You Don't Stop. I don't know if you'll go blind. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's the full title. Uh, this was a movie from 1976, a comedy. Somebody got a uh, a little joke book or a little dirty cartoon book from the bathroom made about 1960 mid 50s and turned it into a movie that's as good as it gets wow (laughs) not one funny joke i think (laughs) at all it was it was amazing they had run the joke extractor over it a couple times pulled out any potential laughs good job wow uh that led into Linda Lovelace for president. Linda Lovelace was in Deep Throat, mm-hmm. okay. as we all know. Uh, yeah, that. What can I say about this? Is that as funny? Uh, yeah, it was about as funny. It actually had a couple sort of jokes that landed. The concept was a little funnier because I was, you know, running for the '76 election. Let's everybody loved Linda Lovelace because it was Deep Throat. It was popular. Let's put the two together. It's about as far as the joke goes in the movie. Um, yeah. Then I watched something because you lent it to me. All right. Here we go. And it appeared on Tubi right after you lent it to me. Wow. It was freaky. Satan's Blade. <laughs> which made no friggin' sense. <laughs> At least the lore. Like, the, the the interactions with the people, uh, although kind of strange at times, was not too off. Uh, I did like at one point, um, one girl's disappear. You figure, oh, she's dead. Turns out, no, she's still alive, but all the other remaining women have been killed. So, there's little things like that. You're like, okay. But mostly it's the lore, and the ending of the movie makes no sense. It's just like... <laughs> What? Is it time travel? Is it Satan in the lake? Is it an Indian spirit? What is this? Wow. Check it out. <laughs> Glad you lent it to me. Uh, My I watched, pleasure. The final one I watched was Video Violence from 1987. Um, this was one I had a vague recollection of wanting to see probably the early 90s. But being one of those films, like, you'll hear the title, but you'll never see that. It's too obscure. Uh, I think it was shot on video. This is a story of a uh, couple that moved to a small town somewhere in the East Coast uh, and opened a video store. Uh, Everybody has VCRs in the town, which the owner of the video store finds weird, not like, oh, great. Right. You know, like people come in and rent movies all the time and he complains about it. Although they do say, why are you complaining about this? You make money. That's back when like one out of 10 households had a VCR. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, I don't think we had a VCR till much later. We rented it if we wanted to watch a movie. And you, and you got 
you squeezed every drop of use out of that uh-huh, VCR for that twenty four hours or whatever you rented it for. Yeah, yeah. Let's record some TV. <laughs> yeah. Let's cut off the ending of A Wonderful Life when George jumps off the bridge and just roll the credits and people will think it's the most depressing Christmas movie ever. Yeah. Uh, let's just cut in hardcore pornography when the color scenes come into Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, video violence. So uh, somebody returns a tape with an actual murder on it. Turns out the people in the town you know, are all in on it. Nobody, quote, believes the guy when he runs around saying his uh, assistant disappeared and the tapes disappeared. and People are bothering him, sending him new tapes that conveniently disappear. Um, I kind of liked it. It was a, a you know, local uh, horror enough. You know, it was a... Regional? Regional. Yeah, regional yeah. horror. Um, the townspeople felt like they, some of them were actual townspeople, you know, they just, they used the deli owner, deli shop owner. He can't act, but. He's a person and we can put him in front front of a camera. Um, some okay, uh, gore effects for a movie that I imagine did not cost half or half a million dollars in 1987 dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is probably a thousand dollar budget. Wow. I mean, it's low budget. Shot in video. Whereabouts? Do you know the region? Somewhere, um, Connecticut, uh, Vermont, something like that. I think it was Connecticut, but they, I'm not sure they mention anywhere else other than New York City and Boston. You know. They cover their bases then. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have mentioned the name, but I don't even remember the name of the town. Violenceville? Yeah. <laughs> Murder Town? Video Village. Video Village. All right. That was it? Julian? That isn't that enough? Yeah. Haven't I given enough for the show? Watching this crap? <laughs> telling people to watch it? So they don't have to. Uh, all right. And, uh, these are alphabetical order. It starts off classy, but... Gets classier. <laughs> so I watched uh, Manon from 1949. This is a uh, Henri Georges Clouseau. Okay. Uh, who did Wages of Fear and Diabolique. Diabolique. Oh, yes. That's a classic. Yeah, they're both classics. Um, so this one's based on a novel by Abbe Provost, uh, updated and relocated to late World War Two, and it goes from the north to the south of France. So from Normandy down through Marseille and uh, across the Mediterranean to Palestine. So, and it's a sort of a noir epic. Hmm. Um, you get a couple who will probably destroy each other at the best of times. But they're in there at the end of World War Two. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the all the zone stuff afterwards. Um, they go through several ordeals, mostly of their own making. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stars Cecile Aubrey and uh, Michel Auclair. Um, wonderful, dreamy, doomy ending. Sounds good. <laughs> All oh, right. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'm going to check it doesn't out. doesn't have a high reputation. Most people don't seem to like it. But hmm. Well, most people are also stupid. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> that maybe didn't used to be true, but these days it's so true. It's always been true. We As just it, hear from them now. We, we took off our rose-colored glasses, and they got the internet, and yeah, the oh, internet. I've been reading uh, some research I've been doing on the First World War. Um, one of the books I've been reading is called uh, A Supernatural War. I forget what the author was, but he's written several books about the history of magic. Mm-hmm. And that these come out through the uh, Oxford University Press. Um, so, you know, they're seriously researched books. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're reading about this stuff from like over 100 years ago. And uh, and it's so familiar. It's all the same. All this yes. fake news stuff and uh, bigotry and. God, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's eerie, uh, and all these things that that started out as fictions, like clearly fictions that they're mm-hmm. like written as fictional stories, like um, uh, what's it called? The uh, the uh, I forget his name now, but he wrote this story, fantasy story called mm-hmm. The Bowman, about um, First World War soldiers having a vision of like archers from the battle of Agincourt. Oh, okay. And uh feeling that they protected them. And then this got repeated and then his name was taken off it as it got repeated it became a meme what we call a meme now. Yeah. And it's like uh you know within a year people were saying oh yeah this, this, this is really it. happened. And it became the story of the angels of mons. Oh. Um yeah, you know these visions of angels over the trenches. Yeah. It became a thing that happened a couple of times. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But anyway, where was I? Uh, Manon. Um, so this came out on a beautiful Blu-ray from Arrow. Really good. Mm. Uh, Marauders from the Mediterranean. This is a documentary, uh, 84 minutes. Okay. Uh, directed by Naomi Howell. Um, it's a doc- documentary on the Synapse Blu-ray of Tombs of the Blind Dead. But it's basically uh, it's about the uh, Spanish zombies. So the first wave of Romero-style zombies was largely Spanish and uh, more diverse than the post-dawn Italian entries. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so you've got interviews with uh, Jorge Grau, um, John Russo, John Martin. For, he used to write for um, Sam Hain magazine, which I used to write for. But, um, Sergio Molina, son of Quinto huh. Molina, okay. a.k.a. Paul Nashi. Um, Lona Fleming, who was the uh, lead actor in Tombs of the Blind Dead, um, she's on there quite a bit. Um, Kim Newman um, talks about Templars as uh, representatives of General Franco, um, where their you know their their death, grainiest oppression, the past versus the colourful, free, impulsive future, um, and. Uh, Talks about Blind Dead as the first zombie franchise. Hadn't been such a thing up to that point because there's like four of these movies. Yeah. Not to mention the the ripoffs. Um, nice that the uh, documentary lets viewpoints differ. It's not one of those that forces one viewpoint down your throat with you know careful editing. Yeah. You know, it lets people contradict each other. Cool. Um, yeah. Very good. Uh, so uh, then I watched uh, Mirror from 1975. This is the last of the uh, Andrei Tarkovsky films I hadn't seen. Okay. Um, wait, he'd only done seven feature films, so it's not much of an achievement. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So uh, this one slips in and out of several different times in Tarkovsky's life. Uh, a couple of really gorgeous dream scenes. Oh, my God. Um, it's not a conventional narrative at all. Um, it's got a familiar musical structure. If you grew up with promo videos, it's like one thing will follow another as a sort of rhyme or an associative memory. Oh. Um it's one of those films where afterwards you, you know you have to go for a walk and everything feels so fresh and sharp. <laughs> Just everything looks different. Yeah. Um anyway, that's Mira. Um Cynthia the Devil's Doll, nineteen seventy. Oh, fantastic. Stepping down a little. Um, aka Teenage She Devil. Okay. <laughs> uh directed by Sven Christian, but he's actually Ray Dennis Steckler. Oh my god. <laughs> um oh, cash so, flag, you mean. Yeah. We spend most of the movie in the mind of Cynthia, who's freaking out about her daddy sleeping with his wife. She kills them when she's twelve, so as an adult she's getting dream analysis, and we get an hour or so of trippy scenes at an orgy hosted by Lucifer. Uh, there's an art studio of a painter named Lenny who says, well, 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 well. Uh, there's walking on a beach. There's tarot reading. Uh, it's pretty dull. It's like a glum orgy of the dead. Uh, <laughs> a glum orgy of the dead. You've got Gary Kent in it, who was in The Thrill Killers, which I, I like that one. Uh, Diane Weber, who was in uh, Mermaids of Tiburon. Um, so, yeah, I can't say I really like this one. Oh, that's too bad. Um, do you like, uh, if you've got a taste for tacky circa 1970s Satanism movies? Hell yeah. This is, this is your bag. Cool. I do. All right. And moving further down, Take It Out in Trade, 1970, Edward Jr. Yes. Oh, geez. Where did you find this? Show me a person, man or woman, who says sex doesn't enter their minds more than they care to admit. Now I'll show you a dead human. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's written by Edward Jr. It sounds like his writing. All right, how about this line? Sex, that's where I come in. Dead or alive? <laughs> Dead or alive. That's where I come in. Oh, that's good writing there, Ed. <laughs> good one, Ed. Uh, the narrator is Mac McGregor, spelled M-A-C-M-A-C-C-G-G-E-R. Whatever. Who is being paid to find Shirley Riley, although we already know she's working at Mrs. Penny's brothel, which is slathered in red shag carpeting, including the staircase. <laughs> Take a drink every time you see those stairs and you'll end up like Edward. There's lots of intercutting. <laughs> There's lots <I'm> of talented. <laughs> There's lots of intercutting of Mac, shots of the LA airport, potted plants and naked women. Around half an hour in, I was getting pretty bored, but then Edward shows up as Alicia in a livid green dress and white go-go boots. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. Late life, Edward. Looking good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he does not look well. Uh, when's Tim Burton going to get around to Edward too and cover the sad final decades of Edward Jr.? Oh, God. Surefire Oscar material. Uh Duke Moore, the gun-waving detective from Plan 9, plays Mr. Riley. This film was thought lost, but it re-emerged ten years ago and is now restored and out on Blu-ray for all to witness. Wow, yeah, because I, I didn't know this one was... I thought it was gone. I didn't think anybody yeah, there, would see it. Yeah, there was it. a 
tape for circulating for quite a while, which is like the outtakes, mm-hmm. about an hour's worth of outtakes. But, but somebody found it. Being rescued. Thank God. <laughs> that was it. The genius okay. of Edward has been preserved. Wow. Yeah, I went and for listeners, who... I mean, he's no Ray Dennis Steckler, but <laughs> he's pretty good. Yeah. And when listeners hear me jokingly say that if you end up like Edward, you'd be untalented. No, he had a, he had a mm-hmm. set of talents. They just weren't um, conventional or what we would typically consider good. But man, is drinking a talent? Uh, yeah, it can be. Um, Cross dressing is, but. If you do it right. But I mean, making those movies, just being so optimistic and so just driven, uh, he was he was un- unstoppable, but just couldn't really write or direct very well. Yeah, by, he by didn't con- even let lack of talent stop him. Why would you? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, let's see. I'll run through these relatively quickly. Um one of them I think I'll just leave out. Maybe I'll talk about it next time. But uh, we watched Cocaine Bear. And this was inspired by real events, which means it has little to do with anything whatsoever that really happened. It happened on Earth. Yes. There was a bear. It happened. There was cocaine. Um, I don't want to bum anyone out, but I'll just say this. In, in real life, uh, a guy parachuting who was smuggling coke had something happen, the best guess is that his uh, duffel bag full of 70 pounds of cocaine flipped back and knocked him out, and he didn't pull his parachute. So the secondary chute that automatically goes off, I guess, Uh went and wasn't enough to uh, break his fall from killing him. Hmm. Uh, Apparently he had chucked a couple of of uh, duffel bags full of cocaine out of the airplane, set it for autopilot, bailed out, and was going to maybe try and fool the Colombians into saying, oh, the plane crashed with all the coke in it. And the Colombians, let's be clear, would have cut his throat. On, on at a, best. At best. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of other horrible things they would do to people, which I won't go into, but uh, it wasn't. he would have ended up dead anyway, is my point. Mm-hmm. Better to have fallen to your death than the Colombians get you. Uh so one of these duffel bags burst forth with some cocaine. A bear ate about three grams of it, overdosed, and died. It was found a few months later, a couple months later. That's the real story of Cocaine Bear. Not a long movie. No. Also not very entertaining compared to this. Oh, my God. You haven't seen this yet. No, I don't really want to. Oh, you should oh, see this. It... It's very entertaining. I've seen bits of it, and it looks... It's bananas. It looks like it's... Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to get into it until okay. I watch it. Yeah, I mean, give it I a shot. I mean, give I'll it give it a shot. I'll yeah. give anything a shot. Yeah. Uh, Sadly. I have absolutely no standards. I'll watch anything. <laughs> you've, you, you've let Tubi hurt you. Is what you've done. No, I let Tubi save me. <laughs> uh, Tubi can do no wrong. I'll hear nothing bad about Tubi. Well, I'm going to give you the IMDb. To be or not to be. I'm going to give you the uh, the IBM. <laughs> the IBM. <laughs> yes. I, I'm already getting into <laughs> Megan here. Um, 
I'm going to give you the IMDb blurb on it. Inspired by the 1985 true story of a drug runner's plane crash, missing cocaine, and a black bear that ate it, this wild, dark comedy finds an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converging in a Georgia forest where a 500-pound apex predator has ingested a staggering amount of cocaine and gone on a coke-fueled rampage for more blow and blood. That's all you need to know. Um, It sounds like the kind of thing Ice Cube should be in. (laughs) <laughs> but he's too old, so his son is in it. <laughs> you knew that was his son, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Oh. Yeah, that's uh, Ice Cube's real name is O'Shea Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Now, if his eyebrows were a little pointier, he would look just like his dad. And when they made uh, whatever the movie was about... Uh, Straight Outta Compton? Yeah, Straight Outta Compton. When they made that, the, uh, I guess Cube made him audition. <laughs> And he's like, come on, Pop. He's like, I'll look just like you. I sound like you. He's like, yeah, why Why it got to be easy for you? <laughs> it wasn't for me, so you got to audition. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so uh, I really enjoyed that one. It was, mm-hmm. it was nonstop laughs for me. Uh, I watched something called Scare Me, which was a horror comedy um, from 2020, uh, written and directed by Josh Rubin. Uh this one is about a um, struggling actor and writer who rents a mountain cabin so they can write in isolation. I've not seen this one before. Uh-uh. Uh, this takes a little different turn. Um, he's suffering from writer's block. Mm-hmm. He's out running. He meets a woman who is a best-selling author, and he feels like a total fraud and idiot in her presence. But uh, the power goes out at all these cabins, and she comes over to hang out with him uh, for whatever reason, I forget what the premise was that she was going to come over there. They didn't both rent the same cabin they mistakenly. <laughs> that, that should have been how the movie started. Yeah. But they met while jogging. Uh, they decide that uh, they're going to try and tell each other stories, like make up stories <laughs> that are going to scare the other one. And they're kind of acting them out. And at first he's kind of clumsy with it and she's really good at it. She wrote Frankenstein. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, then a pizza guy shows up, which is played by uh, Chris Red, who, if you've watched Saturday Night Live, he's one of the guys on that. Pizza guy gets involved and he's really good at it too. And he, of course the guy, the author guy is a little bummed about this. Uh, it's on Shutter. Really fun. Um of course, it's got some twists in it, so I won't tell you what they are. Uh, it's only got four cast members to speak of. I Were mean, they I'm... dead the whole time? <laughs> or maybe dead ten years ago this very night? <laughs> That's right. They reanimate this night. <laughs> Every ten years? Uh, yes. This, have a, have a book to talk. kill a virgin? On a night very much like this one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I recommend that one. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, a Trip to Infinity. I had what, what was it called again? Uh, scare, scare me. me. Scare me. All right. Oh. Scare me on Shutter. Uh, a trip to infinity. A little documentary that you can find on Netflix is about infinity and the nature of that number, not a number concept, uh, and the possibilities of our infinite um, universe and other universes that are also infinite. It's uh, mind-boggling stuff that is dumbed down nicely for the audience by bits of animation and uh, some pretty relatable science people who can tell you like 
if you get two infinite universes, aren't they the same universe? I was going to say, well, how could you have two infinite universes? Well, that's what that's what they get to is like some of the things like in all of the possibilities of existence that are out there, shouldn't a world just like ours be out there also? And uh, they explain it better than I'm doing right now, but they're, they're basically saying there's a world just like ours where identical sets of people are doing the same stuff, but then shouldn't there be an infinite number wow, where... Sad. I mean, there's, yeah. like, there's, a, there's a podcast, a bunch of guys talking about stupid movies. But maybe there's one just... Where, <laughs> where we where, were successful? Yeah. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're professional critics. We're making loads of money talking yeah. about great movies. And Casper mattresses. <laughs> and uh, some fucking food delivery thing that you could get. Which yeah. we're going to pretend we actually eat. Uh, so Trip to Infinity is really cool. There's a lot of fun animation. And like I said, uh, brainy science people explaining concepts to you. And it's not... Okay, imagine if you had a universe and then you had one that was exactly the same. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> so it's on Netflix? Uh, yes. It's, um, it's, it's from uh, last year, 2022. Uh, let's see. I watched Julian. You're going to be excited about this. Mm -hmm. The Monster Club. Oh yeah. Yes. Little Vincent Price thing. Um, this one is a anthology horror film, mm -hmm. uh, directed by Roy Ward Baker and starring Vincent Price and John Carradine. There you go. Yes. Of course it does. I see. It's, ba <laughs> it's based on the works of uh, British horror author, uh, R. Chetwind Hayes. Yes. Did I say that right? Almost. Chet. Chetwind. Close enough. Chetwind. <laughs> Chetwind. <laughs> I always, I think it's Chetwind Hayes. Chetwind. Just Chetwind. <coughs> Chetwind Hayes. Anyway, uh, it's, uh, it was the final film from Milton uh, Sabotsky, who was best known uh, for his work with Amicus. So, uh, this is um, this is a lot of fun, and I think uh, we might consider that. Maybe next time we talk about horror anthologies. Another horror movie with a band. Yeah. Uh, God, what, the, the, um, what was the band called? Uh, hold on. It's, it's got to be in here somewhere. Uh, oh, God. It was canned heat. <laughs> God, I would. Uh, uh, the Pretty Things. Yeah, yeah, that was their yes. first time, their first name. They, they chose that name ironically. Yes. Pretty things. <laughs> Let's see. Musical artists performing between stories include B.A. Robertson, The Viewers, and The Pretty Things. So uh, the soundtrack um, features UB40, though they did not appear in the film. So uh, the rock band Night performed the track Stripper, which uh, did not appear on either of their albums. So there you go. Uh, this one's fun. Like the club scenes are just garish decor and costume and just the stuff you really want to see, uh, from, uh, a 1981 movie. Perfect. 97 minutes. So it's a little long for you, Will, oh, but just, you know, nope out as the, uh, I'll cut off yeah, the credits, the credits in the yeah. opening. Yeah. Yeah. Skip forward a minute. And, I can skip forward. Yeah. Here and there. Yeah. You'll, you'll land it right around <coughs> 90 minutes. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And to kind of get myself uh, a, a little more aware of 
what up with AI and robotics with AI maybe involved? I watched a one hour documentary called How to Build a Human. So Gemma Chan, the star You're of... this old and you don't know how to make a human? <laughs> I'm not going to explain it to you now, and it shouldn't take an hour. <laughs> Didn't you get a chemistry set when you were in fifth grade? Uh, Gemma Chan, the star of Humans... I was just handed a shovel and pointed to the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> they did things different in England, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you got all that fog for cover. You know, here we're just exposed. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't... You know, you could bring a fog machine these days. Yeah. You can buy a fog machine for like 60 bucks. But the gun sh- the gunshots stand in the way of that re- easy resurrection. Yeah, that's true. You know. Everyone here is... <laughs> no Blasted apart. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Gemma Chan, the star of Humans 2015, explores uh, artificial intelligence and builds an AI version of herself. Are AI humans just around the corner? And can robot Gemma convince anyone she's not the real Gemma? So the Turing test, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, it really kind of blips out and glitches some of the conversation with people it's trying to fool. Not to spoil it too much, but uh, they do take a mold of her and paint it up nicely and put a good wig on it, uh, stretch it over this robot, and um, put some people at the other end of a Zoom call with her and see if she can fool them. And these are people who are familiar with her from this TV show, Humans, which I don't know anything about. Uh, it's oh, it's it's on the better end of the Uncanny Valley. Um, the better end. Yeah, like like there's parts of the Uncanny... <laughs> Where the nice houses are. The high rent. <laughs> yeah, the high, the high rent part of the Uncanny Valley. It's right on the coast. Can you say with any, any specificity where... Who came up with that? I, I heard this uh, recently and I promptly the forgot. The phrase Uncanny Valley? Yeah. Uh, it was a Japanese scientist, I believe. Yeah, something Who like that. coined the term. But essentially, for the sake of the listeners, the Uncanny Valley is when something almost works to fool you, but it not... almost looks human. But not quite, so it makes it creepy. Yeah. Yeah. That's because... As cavemen, we fought shape-shifting aliens. I thought it was because we were supposed to disregard corpses because they were dangerous to us. Oh, maybe. And uh, I like the shape-shifting aliens. It like didn't it quite right. I like it better, too. It could never get the eyes quite right. Googly. <laughs> like ping-pong balls. Or they're just kind of vacant. Thank Thankfully, Peter Graves was there to help. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Uncanny Valley was a much broader thing in the 50s. Uh, so, um, is that, there a Canny Valley? <laughs> you'd think there would be. So, Megan, uh, or Mithrigan, uh, this uh, debuted this year on January 6th. Uh, suddenly it's available for streaming, and, and uh, we watched it on Peacock. Yeah. And, uh, Will, I didn't even really ask you while, while you were still here yesterday, what did you think of it? I was bored. (laughs) I was so bored. Every bit of this movie was completely predictable. This was the opposite of don't go near the park. (laughs) (laughs) This is where I knew 
what was going to happen in not just the next scene, but any scene thereafter yes. till the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were no scares. There was no twist. You know, uh, I was trying to think of a twist. Maybe the little girl turns out to also be a robot. I don't know. Maybe Allison Williams is a robot because she seemed pretty bland in this. I uh-huh. don't think she's terrible, but she wasn't good in this. I don't know why. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this was not good if you've seen any other movie. And I don't just mean a killer robot or a killer computer or a killer doll. Or any Frankenstein. Or any Frankenstein, yeah. Um, I mean any movie. If you've just seen movies, <laughs> you know how they're set up and how they play. Truck stop women. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, Do you want to give a uh, like a, a a synopsis or a computer bad? <laughs> computer bad <laughs> is that enough is that succinct enough i wish i really wish that instead of just being a computer glitch that made her go evil it was actually satan <laughs> <laughs> didn't that happen with chucky i mean yeah they no. you could call that that is no he just got reanimated via voodoo supposedly and became his, his soul his, is in the body. He became himself, doll. but in the body of a doll. So yeah, his black devil doll. Yeah, uh, tell us about that one. That was like a very cheap one of those post exorcist. Yeah, one of those ripoffs things. Yeah, was it was it black exploitation or is it doll exploitation <laughs> or, or a little it... ball? Yeah, I didn't like it. I don't remember much about it. Huh. So yeah, I would have rather watched any Chucky movie. Uh, okay, uh, to, <laughs> I don't know why Chucky's anyone... at least fun. This wasn't fun at all for you. Not really. Huh. I w- it I... felt like I was re-watching a movie I didn't like the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate this. This is not to the level of hatred. This is not it. This is just merely there. Yeah. It is not even worth my time to hate. Just bland. It's just so bland. It was just so... By the numbers, I felt like I was wasting my time. It To me, what I can say didn't work for me was the fact that, yes, it was predictable as all get out. Like, yeah, there wasn't a plot point that I didn't see coming either. Yeah. However, I did not think that the bully um, part of this was uh, going to uh, be reconciled that quickly. The, the trope oh. the trope where you meet a bully and they and they terrorize somebody that, that happens in all the kills that you see is like someone turns up who's unlikable and then within the end of that scene they're, they're killed they're cannon fodder yeah but the whole movie was that way there was no <clears throat> because it's so repetitive it's such a well-known well-trod storyline right they just kind of barrel through it I think so maybe you don't stop and think like I've seen this so many times. <laughs> Um, so nothing really makes sense. There's no real breathing room in any scene. There's no chance to build any suspense. You know immediately the robot's evil because yeah. you've seen this movie 40 times before. Well, and I think we've been told I even of... like the remake of Child's Play more than this. <laughs> oh, wow. And it was Ooh. exactly the same movie. Yeah. 
that at least had uh, Aubrey Plaza in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a and a great scene where a kid throw or a guy in a costume throws up on a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm the opposite of Emily. Does this movie have vomit in it? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, I want to say that some things that did work for me is that uh, the the movie was well made as far as how it looked. Sure. You got some great scenery. You got uh, someone who can operate a camera, operating a camera. It's not uh, enough for me if it's a... A uh, studio released picture. Yeah. Even in January. If you're a group of friends making a regional horror movie, I will forgive a lot. I will, you know, I've talked about video violence. Not a good movie, but the regional horror and the fact that these people pulled it off. Uh, yeah, Video Drum did it better, but um, I don't know. I'll give, I'll give something like that a. a, a you know, a pass, whereas something like Megan is just, why? Why did they waste money on this? It didn't say anything about AI. I read reviews of people on IMDb who were like, oh my God, it's predicting the future. No, there, there's way spookier stuff with AI that's already happened mm-hmm. in real life. And we could get into that or not, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, but uh, the spooky stuff that happens with Megan is that... Uh, you know, the, these, the other primary user, which wouldn't that be the secondary user? <clears throat> yes. I have that written down here. Yeah. It was to be the stinger. You are now my second primary user. <laughs> I can... Writer. I think there's a word for that. <laughs> um, when she's told to shut off, she doesn't shut off. Uh-huh. And when, and when she's told to stop. Why is there no kill switch? Why'd they make her out of titanium? Didn't they have it behind her ear, which is like the dumbest place to have it? Yeah, it was on her neck or behind her ear. Put it on her wrist. Put put one on her wrist, one on the back of her head, and one on her ankle. So no matter how she's trying to kill you, you can reach one of them. Um, she's choking you. Get the one on the wrist. The little bully picks her up like she's about two pounds, but she can lift she an has, adult. Yeah, she has superhuman strength. Yeah, why would you give it superhuman strength? Like I said while we were watching, make it as weak as a kitten. Yeah. And you push her around. Yeah, she shouldn't Asimov be rules robotics. Yeah. Never heard of that. Never thought to put that in. Yeah. They didn't give anything to this robot. There was a uh, last year or so there was um Christmas bloody Christmas where they they have this like military grade killing machine android but uh, it, it gets thrown out, and they just dress it up as Santa. But they just roll with it because it's like a, it's a ridiculous movie all the way yeah. through. Wasn't it that um, they didn't get distributed for the military, so they just turned around and sold them off? Yeah, they. To Everyone could have one for a Santa. Make back some money, or something like that. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's a dumb premise. Yeah, but it, it knows it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It knows that this is like. I mean, this movie isn't totally serious. I wouldn't. No. accuse it no. of that no and also i don't think if it is trying to be smart i don't think it's trying that hard like it says a bunch of sciencey a bunch of computery stuff that is supposed to sound like stuff we wouldn't understand it was all tech babble 
Yeah. Yeah. If you got techno babble in your movie, you can just move on to the next scene. Yeah. A wizard did it. <laughs> right. So they, I mean, a scientist did it. <laughs> yes. So they just hand wave us. Science wizards. To the next scene. But, uh, but how did the apes learn English? Well, they, uh, they, can we stop the film and explain that? (laughs) That's true. I've got some ideas, but, uh, Julian, what did you, let's, cause we've, we've bantered back and forth about this already enough, but what did you think when you first watched this? Uh, well, a few weeks ago, immediately, like I'm just, just knowing it's a Blumhouse movie. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, people who've, who are familiar with horror tropes and, yeah, classic horror. Uh, repackaging it for uh, teens mm-hmm. and people who who are not familiar with that stuff. Yeah. So I felt it wasn't for me. Um, it, you know, it's the same old Frankenstein story, which is fine. Uh, wish it had done something more different with it. I I liked uh, Alison Williams. Um, she was in. Um, she was Rose in. Um, Get out. Get out. Yeah, I like her. I think she's yeah. good. I think just in this, she seemed very bland. Like there was no real emotion behind anything. It just felt like she was an actor going through the paces. <laughs> or was her character supposed to be kind of detached and aloof or whatever? Yes, that's what I felt. She was like uh, watching these things happen and she'd have these like subdued reactions to things. And, um so it worked for, worked for me. Well, and, and the, I would say one of the reasons it did work for me is that we know she's under a great deal of stress. Mm-hmm. She's pretty focused at at this point on the horizon of get this done, get it, yes. get it in front of the uh, people who need to see it. Right. Um, yeah, she's she's wrapped up in this amazing creative process and. And it's not and, ready and, yet. And all these things are like popping up in front of her eyes that she doesn't want to deal with. Yeah. Her, her, uh, her boss basically says, I don't care. Get it ready. Get it out there. And she knows it's not ready yet. So she's trying her best to just get it ready. Mm-hmm. It being a toy to end all toys. The best toy yes. ever. Um, this sentient uh, AI doll called yeah. Megan. You'll never have to buy another toy again. That's a stupid business model. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get so the hell yeah, out so of here I with liked that. Her, I liked uh, seeing Ronnie Chang. Oh, I hated his character. <laughs> I thought his character was so obnoxious and so chewing the scenery. I would have loved it in another movie, but in this, <clears throat> everybody else <clears throat> was kind of subdued. And he's just this shouting maniac. I didn't feel like he fit. Okay. I felt. I also felt like he was too young. I could see that, okay, he's some sort of tech genius. But he didn't come across as a tech genius. He came across as just somebody with money. Yeah, he just inherited this. Yeah, he inherited it or, you know, he... Something. He got this business. So... His youth just it didn't work. And then his over-the-top screaming in every scene was just like, doesn't he have any other setting? <laughs> yeah, he's playing his usual yeah. persona. Uh, I really liked uh, Amy Donald as uh, Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about a, uh, 
a child actor from New Zealand mm-hmm. who uh, is also a dancer, which I'm glad they worked that into, you know, it, it, it doesn't exactly flow with the story, except for she's trying to mesmerize and distract uh, Ronnie Chung's character, whatever his character's name was, the shouting boss. Uh, David. David, the shouting boss. Yeah. His name was Yelmo. <laughs> David Yelmo. I like I like the design of her. They didn't go with like the evil looking doll, which I always dislike. Mm, I thought she was kind of evil looking. She's kind of blank stare and you know, she has a cute face and a blank big eyed stare. Like they just made the eyes a little big. Yeah, I yeah, I, I liked it. I did too, but there's there's something about the look that is creepy enough without being like like Annabelle. Like you look at it and you go, yeah, who yeah. the hell would buy that for yeah, any kid? Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with that. It is not an Annabelle, but I felt like, and maybe it's just the Uncanny Valley, I felt like she looked evil from the start. I think maybe they just it was so predictable. Of course she's going to be evil. You know, Why don't they make a movie where maybe the AI, maybe the robot is right in a way. Yeah. But ethically, you know, make it some sort of drama between these things. Don't just once again show me problems solved by punching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought, uh, like, uh, as you say, you can predict this from beginning to end as soon as it starts. I could have written it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you start thinking, where could this go? Uh, what more interesting places could it go? So I thought, uh, with the, the the Gemma character, she's like she's setting these things off, and she, you know, what what's consequences going to happen to her? Not much happens in the movie, but like it could have gone there. Yeah. Uh, and I thought um, uh, Megan's relationship with her daughter—I forget her name, Katie. Katie. Um, where Katie's becoming more and more like Megan instead of vice versa. That's what I, I thought, thought it was going to go to if if it were, if it did have a little twist. And that kind of gets dropped. She becomes more uh, mechanical, more yeah, and more detached and cold and really like AI soulless. ready to kill off people in a way. And... Yeah, maybe she starts. She kills someone that that uh, hurts Megan. Yeah, so like by the end of the movie. You uh, don't know some who's of those who. people might be knocked off by her. And, yeah, see, that'd be good. You know, it's a that'd be darker, but I, you know, maybe they'll go there with a sequel. I don't know. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of sequels, um, we've uh, we've got an account for Chat GPT. <clears throat> this is uh, something you could get at OpenAI.com, and uh, I kindly asked. Chat GPT. Uh, just I'm before glad we you said kindly. Oh, I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to say please. You know, because when the robot overlords take over, you know, maybe I'll get a better job in, you know, human slavery. Now you're no, right there. All us meat sickles are dead. See, they're just going to cut off the oxygen and. Yeah, why not? Uh, so I asked um, Chat Until GPT. Until they fight, start fighting amongst themselves. You know, the robot war is predicted. It's in the Bible, people. <laughs> you know, it's not going to take much computation. It's going to be like nanoseconds and all of a sudden, boom, it's just over with. Yeah, we're already dead. Yeah, like they won't even have time to suffocate us before they blow, blow each other I guess that's always true. We're already dead in the future. 
This is true. Yeah, we're never going to make it to you the You think future. of all those pastos that were real people with real thoughts, and you're like, they're all dead now. Yeah. Way to go, pastos. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. <laughs> so, I asked ChatGPT to please write a synopsis for what could be a sequel to the film Megan. And it answered me in a matter of, I don't know, four or five seconds with... Um, really thought about it. Yeah, I got... Uh, this is exactly how much thought the writers of Megan actually put into it. Well, this might be better. Okay, listen to this. The sequel to Megan picks up a few years after the events of the first film. Megan, the sentient robot girl, has been living a peaceful life with her new human family and has become an integral part of their lives. However, her existence is threatened when a powerful corporation discovers her and wants to exploit her abilities for their own gain. Megan is forced to go on the run with her human family, trying to stay one step ahead of the, corporate, or the corporation's agents who are hot on their trail. Along the way, Megan learns more about her past and her true purpose. So I guess her memory's been wiped. Um, and she discovers that she has allies in unexpected places. <clears throat> As they travel I'm a robo-ally. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, As they travel across the country, Megan and her family encounter a diverse range of people and situations. And I'm not ruling out robo-sex either, being Sorry. a robo-sexual. <laughs> um What's your feelings on robo-billies? Mm, not good. No, they're dangerous. Um, as they travel across the country, Megan and her family encounter a diverse range of people and situations, and they begin to realize that they are not alone in their fight. It's all the friends they made along the way. <laughs> it's a real treasure. With any movie. Yeah. Now, uh, this sounds as bad as Megan. <laughs> Hold on, it gets better. Eventually, they, they must make a stand and confront their pursuers in a final showdown. You didn't see that coming, did no. you? No. Uh, that will determine the fate of Megan and the future of AI. This the fate of the universe, or the multiverse, or the multi-multiverse, These... and the mere universe. So the, uh, the zinger last line <clears throat> on this is, The sequel to Megan explores themes of identity, belonging, and the dangers of corporate greed, while also delivering action-packed thrills and emotional moments. Hmm. I doubt all that. <laughs> so you've got this android, which is mysteriously never runs out of power, and you never see it. Charging. Power. It does charge, though. It does? I noticed <clears throat> when it sits uh, on the little <clears throat> bench or whatever oh, it lights in up. Katie's room. Yeah, the the it lights up, the bench lights up and i was like why are there fairy lights there what are the oh, christmas tree okay. lights so that's where it's but when out. she stands up the lights go off so i took it as, okay that's when she powers okay up. <clears throat> but i was just thinking you could do a sequel where her and the daughter are still hanging out and they're besties but the daughter grows up i thought that too like what if megan was you know another megan grew up with this girl <clears throat> Because uh, obviously we can't use this mag and it's destroyed. Yeah. And the girl's not going to hang out with another robot. <laughs> but, okay, so new new pairing. Uh, but, yeah, the girl grows up and like an evil toy story. One day, mom uncovers the old Megan <laughs> in the basement and turns her on. And now she still wants to protect this woman to deadly ends. Ah. Yeah, but you, she's like a, she's her childhood bestie, but then she becomes, you know, teenager, adult. But this this uh, thing is still in 
at this, you know, it's basically a one-year-old yeah. Android. Um, it's, it's seven it's years and Android years, and it's seeing her develop and move away from her, and what would that? Yeah, what would that do to her? Mm. Well, we saw that in Toy Story, did we not? Yeah, that's I, why I, I said an evil Toy it, Story. Oh, Toy Story too. I've not seen any <laughs> Toy Story movies. Yeah, the... uh, you're not missing out. <laughs> yeah, those are probably my favorite 3D animated movies, and I still <laughs> kind of like them. Maybe they're passable. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not. I'm not turning my nose up at them. I've just yeah. never got around to watching them. Uh, I think the first one's pretty good. Yeah, I think diminishing this, returns on the. Was it the second the one? The second one's not bad. I it is some pretty good points. The third one. Then they're just they're milking stretching it. it. Yeah. yeah, they they just want more. And they money. should have ended it, but it'll keep going forever. Yeah. So, um, what did work for you, Will? Anything? About this? Mm, I mean, I thought the production was nice. I thought it looked well. It yeah. wasn't shot poorly. Other than Allison Williams' kind of uh, uh, flatness that I found, uh, even if she was supposed to be detached, I just, it, I don't know. Didn't work for me. Um... There was a McLaren in it. Oh, really? <laughs> if you're into fancy, overpriced sports cars, that's something. Is that what that was? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was looking at it, going, I don't know, whatever expensive sports car that is. I'm, I'm more thinking about how do her feet reach the pedals. That's what I thought too. Or, or since you know, pedals. Look, you guys probably know this, but pedals in cars are not mechanical devices anymore. They're electronic devices. Mm-hmm. So you think you're braking, but you're actually sending a signal to the brakes via some electronics. So maybe she just sticks her finger in oh, something and just... I bet that's what she does. So yeah. she doesn't have to use the pedals. No, she can or just... Or the steering wheel, probably. Yeah, she can probably just sit there like a doll. And it drives itself. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. So in the sequel, the car and Megan become a couple. Mm. Oh, like Knight Rider. <laughs> yeah, mixed with the... Uh, what was that French film with uh, came out a couple of years ago? Titanium or something? Oh, Titania. Yeah, Titane, yes. Where the girl's in love with a car. Has sex with it. Mm-hmm. I have not Those seen that. French. They're so sophisticated. And they've got like a different word for everything. <laughs> yeah, what, what's up with that? Couldn't they have just used English like normal people? Yeah, English is the lingua franca. <laughs> Uh, it's the, uh, yeah, it's the, we've seen it. Everybody speaks English in the future, even apes. Mm-hmm. Right. Bring that back around. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed in this movie was the, <laughs> the comedic moment where, um, Megan's going to go to some kind of day camp and her aunt, who's her guardian is like, no, you can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Katie? <laughs> Katie is going to day yeah. camp, and she doesn't want to be away from uh, Megan for any time at all. She's really kind of bonded with this doll. And uh, some camp counselor sticks her snout in there and says, "Oh, it'll be fine. Just put it over here on the table." And of course, it's like, "Yeah, don't let anyone take any pictures." Like you're going to stop people from using their phones. So this thing's top secret, but 
out in the open. Mm -hmm. That's kind of dumb. But the comedy of we see the shitty kid and uh, it's like, oh, this is he had a growth spurt. He's like the same age as these other smaller kids, but he's this big, evil, stupid bully. And it's like, oh, great. The bully trope. How long is this going to go for like the next third of the movie? Um, he gets maybe three minutes of screen time before he gets hunted, his ear torn off and then runs out in front of a speeding truck and splattered into oblivion. Um, to me, that's very satisfying. Uh, because I really don't like watching bullies rule most of a movie and wonder when they're going to get their comeuppance. At the end. I don't mind if it's a good comeuppance. Yeah, this one was great. She, uh, well, this, the scene is he starts to bully Katie. Um, Megan notices and the kid like notices Megan and is like, what's this? And starts immediately physically abusing the doll. So this kid is clearly going to turn into a rapist murderer type. If he's not already at, what is he supposed to be? 11. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Uh, nor did I care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it was so t telegraphed to you. You're oh. like that kid's already dead. Wait, wait. Why did she let her take the doll to a, a fucking school trip to the woods where people could see it. It's so stupid. It's supposed to be top secret. Yes. That's... There's so many stupid parts of this. I don't normally, I don't want to nitpick stupidity too much, but the characters were stupid. The plot was predictable and... The ear getting torn off wasn't realistic. Not at all. I've <laughs> seen someone get an ear torn off, and it's not that rubbery. No, that's cartilage. Yeah, it's, it's not a little, rubber. It doesn't stretch at all. It just pulls right off your head. <laughs> you've ever seen a Wookiee pull the ears off a <laughs> a sand person? I'm not going to use that term. That's your term. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that term. <laughs> An S word? Yeah. I'm not uh, going to say it. Tuscan Raider. That's just as offensive. T word. You know, because uh, I'm sure they're not the Tuscans. They're raiding the Tuscans. So, oh, okay. Yeah. They're not Tuscans. All right. No, because I don't think Luke Skywalker, he clearly is racist. He's, <laughs> he's not going to call them something they call themselves. That's not how it works. Mm, probably so he's going to use something derogatory like, the rumor that they raided Tuscan, oh, okay. Tuscany, <laughs> with a rustic cuisine. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, fair enough. Um, anyway, the the bully. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the bully scene worked for me. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Although I knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, well, no, I didn't. Well, I thought I didn't know the ear stretching. <laughs> I didn't expect the ear stretching. I also didn't expect him to die. I thought, oh, she's just going to break his arm and he's going to go screaming like a baby to his mom. But when they, but the comedy of, of when they cut back to the mom, she's saying something about uh, his abusive attitude is indicative of how brilliant he is or something like yeah. that. Uh-huh. So it makes sense, she says. So it make, like... Yeah, so it makes sense. I think if she had broken his arm it would have probably been more effective 
uh, or tear it out of the socket and beat him with it would have been cool too. But yeah, uh, she's not, I she's think not the robot should have just gotten revenge by living well. <laughs> you know, grow up, get a job. It is the you know, it is the best revenge. Yeah. Well. No. I mean, they tried that in Death Wish 4, but it just didn't fly. <laughs> yeah, Charles Bronson taking it easy is just not great. <laughs> I'm not just going to put that aside. Get on with my architecture. Get on to my life. Yes. I've wasted too many people in too many years. I lose my girlfriend in every movie, but there's plenty of fish in the sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Easy come, easy go. Don't get too attached. Try not to learn their names. <laughs> At least not their last name or where they live. Just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Living for the moment. This is all transient, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we are but dust in the wind. Julian, what worked for you on this one? Uh, I was, I was amused by it, entertained by it. Um, it's, it's not really for me. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. This was not. This was not formulated and directed at me. I know that going into the movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, I hesitated to even watch this in the first place. And then one day I just said, Oh, they've got an unrated version. That means there's going to be some, yeah, what's, what's in the rated version. What got cut? I bet uh, you the, they cut the scene where the neighbor gets her face blown off by the power sprayer. Oh, and that's it. That's the only scene I heard that was different. Not the ear stretching. That, cut. that may have been a couple seconds, but evidently they, while they were editing this movie, they were like, wow, this is so close to a PG movie. If we cut these seconds where, you know, the neighbor gets her face blown off with the power washer. Hmm. We'll be fine. Well, all right. Yeah. I should have known when James Wan's name, Juan's <laughs> name was on it as a story credit. Wasn't going to be good. Second red flag would have been the January release date. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's when they don't have a lot of confidence in a movie. They just say cinematic burial ground. Do you think that's true across the board now? I think it's less true now because this think, one did pretty well. Yeah, this one did well, and I think yeah, with streaming and everything, it's probably become less yeah. of, a, of a truism. Well, the uh, the budget was twelve million. The box office. How much is that in two thousand twenty three dollars? <laughs> yeah, April 2000... dollars. No, no, no. We have to go like uh, fifty years in the future, so <laughs> twenty, you know, seventy three. <laughs> so the uh, this made one hundred and seventy six point eight million. So it it did well. Um, I think most most of the audience is probably younger. Yeah, no, definitely. And a little less experienced with the tropes of horror movies than Certainly. we are. Uh, yeah, this is a general young audience film. This isn't, you know, monster kids going to this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what didn't work for me was the predictability, but I kind of knew that going into it, it was going to be totally predictable. I think I was, I don't want to say I was shocked at how predictable it was, but sort of like, like the opening scene with the toy ad, like, okay, I've seen all this movie. I don't know why. It was just like immediate. Mm -hmm. I could tell you what was going to happen next. It didn't feel like it had one original thought in the whole script. 
<laughs> it's like a, a it reminded me of Westworld, the original movie. Yeah. Um, so that starts off with a commercial. Oh yeah. And you kind of think, oh, I know where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but, but you know, not as much. <clears throat> is there any way you're going into making something like this and you haven't gone and watched a bunch of what would be source material? I mean, I, I, you know, processes are different for different creative people, but I think if I was going to say, well, maybe I want to cherry pick some cool stuff, but I also want to avoid other stuff. Maybe I need to watch Stepford Wives, um, the Westworld series, the, the original Westworld movie, um, maybe some Chucky. Um, yeah, Short Circuit, Short Circuit 2. No disassemble. Yeah. Heart beeps. Heart beeps. That's another Heart good beeps. one. That, that's right. I'd read I need R2 to D2's biography. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. So, um, is there anything? Is there anything that that they've told us about AI in recent history that kind of spooked you at all? Do you, Do you know the story about that Google Chat mm-hmm. bot? Yeah is supposedly talking about its feelings, its likes and dislikes, and its emotions. And uh, the guy it was whose whose job it was to converse with this thing alerted some people that I think I think this is going Skynet soon if we don't watch it. And they basically uh, put him on leave and took him away from the job, told him not to talk about it, and he, and he talked about it. This sounds like the story of angels in World War One. <laughs> like perhaps it came from a story and then it got memed into mm-hmm. reality. <clears throat> well, I don't know. I'm too cynical, I guess. But do you believe that AI can go bananas? Sure, anything could go bananas. But I mean, go bananas in the way that it decides. We're a bunch of dopes and it should shut off our we, power. We could do that ourselves. I mean, you do have that incident with the chat um, system just getting angry with someone. Oh, I don't think I know about that one. It got angry with somebody? Yeah, they're like having a relationship with it. And it was, oh. As it became more sophisticated, it hated the person. Or, oh, or wow. That is advanced. Simulated hatred. Is I would say if it has emotions, that's actually better because you could appeal to emotions. You can manipulate emotions. Yeah, I know. It, Not I, that you I, can't I, manipulate logic too. It's been a hot topic in um, illustration. Yeah, because it's you know it's, you've got this. Uh, it's taking other people's work uncredited. Yeah, and things like that are a problem. Things, but that's not necessarily an ai and, problem and the and also uh, writers are worried because uh, not only are the ai systems for generating writing but uh yeah you can now do a course mm-hmm. as a writer to learn about how to use ai which of course is going to teach ai how to write better uh i don't know you c- right now you can tell yeah you can tell now stiltedness um but the internet's like already full of morons. That, what that, do I... that came online just uh, very recently that are that beating chess champions now. And... So? 
<laughs> I'm not worried. I just so you'll have <clears throat> human chess championships versus AI chess championships, and then Again. you could have mixed, uh, mixed use or, 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 or not mixed use, but uh, you could have uh, intramural, yeah, or whatever you would call it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not a. If it's a big threat to chess, I'm not worried. But if it's a big threat to illustration well, well, and the music, point is, it's like a, it's, that's creative thinking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how many people are going to lose their jobs once, uh, once it, machines can do it? Yeah, and that that's a bigger concern. This for, has always been a concern. Yeah. New technology it, running it, it out happens. of an old job. <laughs> They're taking our jobs. I'm not crying for the buggy whip. <laughs> manufacturers you know <laughs> move on if i get put out of a job as an illustrator by a robot i need to change up my style i need to do something different i bet you they sell more buggy whips now than they did in the days of the buggy probably <laughs> <clears throat> well let's let's bring this back around full circle but so, as i said earlier you know uh letting ai run my life you know because how much worse could it get that's how i feel about the whole thing like we alone it's people have fucked up enough let's let robots have a swing at it <laughs> yeah <laughs> why not what's the worst could happen we all get killed oh well <clears throat> yeah you've seen is what... there a big loss there individuals i'll miss but as a whole yeah mankind me. we had our shot yeah we weren't good at it <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's do the recommends will highly recommended <laughs> i'm getting the steelbook version as soon as it comes out what about when they release the uh the megan which is basically just a uh, teddy ruxpin with a megan skin over it all of that yeah yeah i think that would be great jolian um i i enjoyed it okay i thought it was fine and uh, if you're a kid looking for a, um, a movie that's not particularly scary this yeah. is this is a good one for if you're a kindergartner or slow witted <laughs> or a or a you know, or a learning AI basic AI yeah this is an okay film I feel like this one is something where and I just learned this recently kids for sleepovers are still watching the craft yeah good um so parents who are squeamish about certain material with certain themes or whatever could be less squeamish about this one but uh f for like true horror fans this isn't going to surprise you it's not going to shock you hopefully it would just entertain you like it did me mm -hmm. i recommend it but with those caveats so there it is um yeah okay megan megan um not scaring me but some real life stuff is a little spooky mm. All right, shall we call it a show? It's a show. There it is. Listeners, thank you for listening. You are now my secondary primary user. <laughs>